Hey, everybody. Welcome to No One Told Me, where we believe hindsight is everything. My name is Callie. And if it is your first time here, let me just give you a quick rundown about what we're trying to do. You know those moments when you look around and you're like, what the heck is going on? No one told me this would be this way or that I would feel this way or that someone would come at me this way. You know the scenarios, right? Probably something came to mind. When you're sitting in those moments, all you want is someone who has walked through it before you to turn around and say, hey, I've been there. Here's what I did. And you're going to get to the other side of it. That is what we hope to do every single week with you here on No One Told Me. And so over the past few weeks, we have been in a conversation about work in general, because I feel like we are in a generation where uh, there's a lot of women who want to be really great at home and actually be really great at work too. They want to hold both. And sometimes you can't really find an environment for that to happen. So how can you build your life in a way that what matters most actually matters most? And so here's what I've done. I've brought in the two women who part of the mission of the organization they lead is that very sentiment is how do you make what matters most actually matter most? So last week we got to hear from Michelle and this week, this week, it's a good time. It's my friend Summer and she is a good time. Listen, the thing that we agree on wholeheartedly is no matter how painful it is, we're going to make a joke about it because we can't, right. we can't help ourselves. Okay. We just can't. Um, this is correct. <laughs> this is correct. But Summer is current. Are you in your closet, Summer, or no? No, I'm actually not in my closet. I'm in, I'm in the spare bedroom today. The spare room. Cause, okay. You have spare bedrooms now because I have a spare bedroom. Your girls both <laughs> got engaged and married all within a year. Am I right? You are correct. Yeah, less than a year. It has been insane, but so fun. So much fun. And you can actually go um, listen to the story on She Works His Way, their podcast. Summer shares all the wedding fun and details. But you helped design one of their dresses. I did. I did. In In my secret life, I am a fashion designer. Uh, No one would pay me for that, I'm sure. But... For Kennedy, my she's my oldest. We just knew we knew what we were after, and we couldn't find it. And I was like, "Mama's gonna do this." So I'm telling you, we got we cleared off the kitchen island. I got out kitchen scissors. We were cutting things. We were gluing things. We were putting stuff together. And then I got a real alteration specialist, and she did it the right way. But yes, she completed my vision, and I'm telling you, it was the most. I was dreaming about this dress at night. It was so amazing. You actually put the like base of it together, and then took no. it. Okay, I no, was about to I, say. I, I purchased no in halfway through wedding season. Halfway through, like doing this. I thought, hey, I think I'm going to go buy a sewing machine because I think I want to learn to, you know, feels right to pick up a hobby together. Yeah. Honestly, three jobs, two daughters getting married, moving away. Now's the time. Let's crochet. (laughs) I practice sewing. And I'm thinking about like my great grandmother and her sewing machine and sewing kit she had in her house. I'm like, I think I need one of those desks with a pedal. That's for sure. Isn't there a pedal? Where's the pedal at that makes the needle go faster? What's happening? Kelly, fun fact, in middle school, I I set the home at kitchen on fire. Wow. So I got banned from the home at Kitchen. Yes, the whole school. We had to evacuate the building. Uh, it was rice aroni, and somehow 
I love that you it even know it wasn't like a cake no, or some gourmet no, meal. It was no. from a box summer and you it still was it was I'm pretty sure there was a local shelter that brought us food to practice with. Anyway, I failed miserably and I got moved into full time sewing, was not allowed to be in the kitchen any longer. And so I believe that that is where this joy and excitement came from. Did I learn to sew? No. But I sat there. And I thought about what I would sew. And, but the yeah. idea of it was very appealing. It was yeah, exactly right. I exactly I do love, and again, you can hop over to at She Works His Way on Instagram, but the picture of you seeing the dress like completed oh, and on Kennedy for the first time. I undone. died. Undone. It was, yeah, same. Same. But I, I lost my mind. When, uh, when we were go- talking about their two separate weddings, so Ava decided mm-hmm. to just go to the beach and mm-hmm. just it was kind of on a whim right Ava was like this is a hassle I just want to be married mm-hmm. I'm going to the beach but then Kennedy is in this like incredible room with like the the venue was awesome right. it was like the complete opposite yeah do you yeah. think and maybe your girls just aren't like this but I see a lot of sisters I don't have sisters I have two older brothers who are like I don't care about your wedding whatever but <laughs> Did they? Do you think they'll ever compare, or is it just mm-hmm. so fitting of their personalities? It is so darn fitting of their personalities. Mm-hmm. So the whole time that both weddings were going on, they were so happy for each other. So I Ava decided that. to go get married on the beach, and Kennedy was her photographer. Kennedy and Hunter, who Kennedy ended up her husband. So they loved it and they thought it was amazing but it didn't change their mind on what they wanted to do mm-hmm. Ava the whole weekend of Kennedy's wedding cheering supporting loving excited dancing but also like mom I would have had seven panic attacks by now I am so glad I didn't do this so it was crazy but even their engagements were the opposite of their wedding so Connor and Ava did the chill laid back beach wedding but he rented out Rockefeller Center to propose to her in front oh, of shoot. like Thousands of New Yorkers. Yeah. It was insane. And then Hunter and Kennedy went to the top of a mountain with no one around, secretly did the proposal. And it was... I love that. And this is not on our question list and has nothing to do with our topic. (laughs) But I have one more question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I am raising kids, you know, and at my core, I just want them to love each other. Like, I want Mm -hmm. them to love and cheer for each other and want the best things for each other. But what I'm finding, and it might just be the ages, is they are more combative than supportive. And so as you were raising, you know, Ava and Kennedy, how did you raise two girls that were like, we genuinely like each other? Like, we want to hang out. We want to be. And your entire family is that way. I remember reading a book and it said that the mark of successful parenting is that your kids still want to hang out with you when they're adults. They want to come over. They want to see you. Um. How, how, how did you do that? <laughs> okay. God is good. So that's the first thing I'm going to tell you. And that this is something that I didn't know to pray for early on, but then I did start to pray for it. So I believe wholeheartedly he made this happen for us. But what I will also tell you is that we actually do have fun together. And Kit and I made more of an effort to enjoy what they enjoyed than we forced them to make an effort to enjoy what we enjoy. Mm-hmm. And that is an intentional, conscious effort that you have to make. And um, Now, it does help that we all loved music. So I feel like concerts were like the bonding point for us. Yeah. 
But we also went to concerts where they were in the pit and we were up in the old people balconies. Yep. So like there's still boundaries that don't need to be crossed. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go down there and jump around. Yeah. It's just not going to You're not going to wear like your crop top and, no, 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 uh, you know, like sequins. Get on kids' shoulders. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. That's not uh-huh. for us. That's not for us. And I wouldn't suggest it for you, other moms. But truly, we did. We really did work hard to have fun together and like what they liked. And they kind of liked what we liked. I mean, it was just well, kind of weird. you're not weirdos. So you've got that going for you. <laughs> I mean, honestly, try not to be a weirdo. I think that's the advice. The best all going parenting here. advice. Just don't be yeah, weird about uh, it. You know, don't be weird. <laughs> it's so true. But those like fun moments, like laughing late at night, it starts when they're young. Letting them take off a day of school when everybody's tired. Like, just do it. Mm-hmm. Just do it. It's the little things like that that add up to, oh, my parents aren't just the enforcers of rules. They are the people I want to have a relationship with. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that so much. I just love, your girls are just fun and I've never even met them. And I'm like, they are a good time too. This is a, this, The Phoebus family is just a good time kind of family. You know, they're the ones you want to go. <laughs> Get together. You want to, they're like, you know how you have to be real careful who you pick to go on trips with, like other families, because you're like, don't bring down my vibe and I'm not going to bring yep. down your vibe. Yep. I feel like you're the family that people are like, I could go to the beach with you guys. I could go, you know, <laughs> like I could go to New York with you guys. I'd be fine. It'd be great. Okay. That's, that's so nice. I and mean, I want you to know if you ever want to go to New York with me, your invitation is open. Do you know I've never been? I've never been to New York City. Oh, I am. I have to take you. New York, you know this, Kelly. You love your it. listeners need to know. It is my happy place. Mm-hmm. I feel like New York is the only place where it, it is meets my energy level. It is. The, the outside is louder than my internal dialogue, which is always loud. Mm-hmm. And so I rest there like I can't, I cannot I... describe. See, I'm like that, too. I like high-energy places, whereas Ryan's like, let's go find a mountain to sit on by ourselves. And I'm like, but then what are we going to do? Like, what are we? We're going to look at the view, but then what? What? Yeah, I'm going (laughs) to make a list. I'm going to make a list on that mountain. I'm going to think of the things that I should be doing, could be doing. I'm going to decide there's going to be a workout plan because it probably made me tired to get to the top of the mountain. So then it's not. It's just, you know. Well, and Ryan, too, he's just, I would have to go with you because Ryan's just not a New York kind of guy. He feels there's too many people there and too many, like, opportunities for people he doesn't know to touch him or run into him. And so he's just, he's not ever going to go. I can guarantee that. And so, I'm going to be honest with you. Um, yeah, there, he's not wrong about that. There are. I feel like I have definitely had more contact on the subway in New York City than I do with a lot of people that are in my everyday life. And for some people, that's just not their thing. I get it. I get it. And I understand. For me, I'm just like, come on in. Squeeze on in here. It's fine. Come on. You need to sit on my lap. We're out of seats. Come on. Sit on my lap. It's fine. I'll embrace you. I'll be your seatbelt. It'll be great. I'll be your seatbelt. Yes, it smells like urine. It's not a problem. You're going to be fine. It's not me and it's not you. So we're good. Okay. Exactly. Exactly. This is New York City and this is why I love it. Okay, so Ava and Kennedy, just going back to your girls, they're in their 20s, right? So you're at a whole new stage of parenting. But I also know that one of the main demographics that listens to the podcast are 20-somethings and 30-somethings. And, Um, you know, a lot of our conversations are around like, okay, 
what do we need to know that we don't know? What is something we need to be working on that we're not working on? Because mm-hmm. one of the worst things in the world is feeling unprepared. Am I right? It's like, why? Why do I feel like Amen. I didn't I don't know. know if you have sound effects, but if you could put maybe some clapping right there, yeah. or I feel like, yeah. yes. Sound effects as I'm recording mm-hmm. at the little desk mm-hmm. in my eight-year-old's mm-hmm. bedroom. Yes, Summer, there are sound <laughs> effects. Sure. Absolutely. Uh, if you... When you look back and you and, and you're walking with a lot of young leaders right now too, not just Ava and Kennedy, but what are some skills that you think every 20 and 30 something should be developing and should be working on that will really carry them into the future? Okay. Practically speaking, communication. You have got to speak the truth. Not your truth all the time. Hear Mm -hmm, me out. mm -hmm. Your truth might not necessarily always be beneficial to those listening, but the truth. So you've got to figure out how to communicate with people according to how they hear you. And that's a big, big deal. So Mm -hmm. practically speaking, communication. Spiritually speaking, confidence in Christ. And listen, here's the thing. Some people might argue that that's not necessarily a skill, but I would argue that it is because it's something you have to practice. And anything you have to practice is a skill that you can build on or grow in. But in your 20s and 30s, if I look back and I think about some of the most difficult things that I had to deal with, it was usually related to my own insecurity Mm. and my identity issues, which I think a lot of times the church is trying to help us fix our identity issues, and our insecurity. But they're doing it in these ways that aren't necessarily attacking the root issue. And Mm -hmm. the root issue is confidence in Christ. Mm -hmm. So for me, that was huge when I was finally able to say, okay, God, I actually do trust you. Or when I started praying, God, I can admit I'm not trusting you in the way that I should. Mm -hmm. And so I don't trust me. I am trying to be everything I'm supposed to be and I'm not. So I need to trust you. That's what I would say. Gosh, if I could go back and really develop that, because the amount of second guessing that I have done <laughs> within these two decades of like, wait, should I should I do that? Oh, they want me to do that. And I want them to like me. So I should probably do it, even though I don't really want to. I should yes. do it. You know, like the amount of scenarios. Yeah, you think in. about, I talk about women all the time who aren't sleeping well at night. And when we get down to the, what is it? Why is it? They are running game tape from the day, from a conversation they had or something that they said, or it just, it's so small, minute little mm-hmm. things that they're like, I sounded like such a weirdo. I overshared. I mean, you've seen all the memes, right? Yes. Yep. But there is, we. I think we try to disconnect the spiritual side of who we are from those moments and we make everything a meme. But truly speaking, if we're actually walking with the Holy Spirit, if we're actually asking him to guide us, then when we go to sleep at night, no matter what we said, he's got it. Whether yep. it was stupid or whether it was smart. He's got it. Mm -hmm. So I feel like we see confidence from this like overwhelming big level, this high top level where we need to actually say it's in like the little minute parts of our days and my tongue actually saying what it needs to say and then walking away from a conversation and being confident that the Lord guided it. And that if I did misstep, that he's going to protect the relationship Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Yes. And even being able to make that the prayer, like God, I'm picking this conversation apart. I feel like I should have handled it differently. So whatever I didn't do, will you do it? Like, will you? And being able to rest in that. 
But that, gosh, that confidence in Jesus slash, you know, like your identity in him, uh, you 1000% spot on. I wish that I had figured that out so much sooner. Yeah, because it just would have it would have helped. But let's back up to the practical one where you talk about communication, because those two things go together, like how you communicate, Mm -hmm. what you communicate, how to know if you Mm -hmm. should communicate it. All of those things Mm -hmm. will flow from a confidence in your Mm -hmm. relationship with Jesus and the Holy Spirit guiding those conversations. But, you know, practically, how do you know? You said it's not always your truth that needs to be communicated. Like, that's, mm-hmm. How do you read a room? Like, because that's my number one piece of advice is learn to read a room. Learn to know mm-hmm. when you're there to speak and when you're there to listen. When, you know, like those, that's just such a skill that's valuable over time. I think it's one of the biggest skills that will help you grow in leadership is when mm-hmm. you're not just there mm-hmm. to talk. Like sometimes mm-hmm. you're just there to listen. How do you know when it's something in a conflict or a disagreement, or you're being asked your opinion, what hills are you dying on? And how are you communicating that? Okay. For me, there is, and listen, we're talking to, this is, this is a faith-based podcast as much as I hate using that term. Mm -hmm. So people know we love Jesus and that's ultimately the banner in which everything falls under. But I'm going to tell you something else that I need you to understand underneath that banner, that You have to decide if the thing or the relationship matters most. And what I will tell you is that I think a lot of people, believers, will say it's always the relationship. Sometimes the thing matters most and the relationship needs to work through the conflict to get you to the place you need to go. Mm -hmm. The only thing that's going to tell you if it's the thing or the relationship that matters most is the discernment that you're going to have from the Holy Spirit. So you've got to go into that room thinking through that. What matters most? Is this, the term you used, a hill worth dying on? Is this thing going to impact the future in a negative way? Is it going to hinder ministry from getting done? Is it going to hinder people from being served the way they should be served? And if I am I staying quiet to protect one relationship and then it's going to impact a lot of other relationships or a culture of a place. You said you're talking to corporate women. Here's the thing. If you work somewhere, you are a part of the culture. You are a part of the morale and you have to keep that in mind. So as you said that you love, hey, you got to learn to read the room. I have always said, this is what I love about us, Callie. We're soul sisters. We're soul it. sisters. We need to move to New York, just the two of us. Let's Forget say, our families. Let's, let's to do it. We can FaceTime them often. It'll be fine. fine. We'll care about um, it. Yeah, it's no big deal. I heard a pastor once say, assume they're in the room. You and I both care deeply for the local church. That's something that we're passionate about. And there's something about the way I'm wired. I've been in church since I was like tiny, tiny. Mm-hmm. And I will always think about the person in the room that maybe hasn't been there. And I believe that's just a spiritual calling on my life. So you said, read the room. I go assume they're in the room. When you're in the room and you're trying to decide what hill you die on, you have to think about the overall impact of what you're going to do. And is it worth it or is it not? Mm -hmm. But the thing is, it's really hard to do in the moment. So that means wherever this is, you have to go back to be confident and go back. Yep. You have to be really clear on who you are as an individual, as what you're called to do, and how you and your calling and your gift set is uniquely a part of 
whatever the situation is that you're walking to. Mm -hmm. So relationship or the thing, which one matters most? And only the Holy Spirit's going to tell you. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense because it can't. It's like you said, everyone wants to say it's always the relationship. Well, sometimes it's not because sometimes you're sacrificing a thing that will long-term impact not just that one relationship, but yes. all the other relationships around it. So yes, think about a marriage. Think about a marriage mm-hmm. and you're having a conversation with your spouse about parenting or something like this. If you want to just be passive aggressive or say nothing or keep the peace with your spouse, then you are partnering in being able to pair it well together by saying, hey, listen, this is what I feel. This is mm-hmm. what I see. As a mother, I have this unique perspective, or this is how the Lord has wired me to see our children. If you don't have a conversation, then you are going to just both be kind of in your own lanes driving. And it's not just going to impact your relationship with your spouse. It will impact the way you raise children mm-hmm. together. Mm-hmm. So is this all going back? Communicate. That's the yes, communicate side of things. It is. And forming that conf- confidence in communicating. Because if you're yeah. speaking more out of um, your heart for Jesus than out of your own personal preferences and opinions, then y- you really can't lose. But it's right. it's when you're flipping to the other right. one that you're like, ooh, that could have come out differently or better. I'll say... I have had one scenario when I've been in a room and someone has come in hot about something and like angry and it was directed at me. And I remember it's probably one of the only times that I like remember the Holy Spirit stopping me because I will mm-hmm. fire off like, yeah, you know, I go into defensive <laughs> mode. And I'm like, you want to fight you? I'll fight yeah. you like, I, you yeah. know, like I'm ready. And it was just railing. And I remember thinking, is this worth it? And the Holy Spirit, and I just will never forget, I actually saw the word stop because I was ready to go. Like I had my whole argument queued up mm-hmm. on my tongue mm-hmm. and it just was just stop, clearly just stop. And so I just sat there and nodded and took it and was like, this is going to be more harmful in the long run if I go back. Like, yeah, if I let this become a fight, it's going to be more yeah. harmful in the long run. And this is not the thing that was that became such a big deal. The thing, like you said was really not that big of a deal. That person was having an emotional reaction. And it just, that was one of those scenarios where I was like, okay, what am I Mm -hmm. doing here? And it was truly my confidence in the Holy Spirit's guidance Mm -hmm. that stopped me from being like, let me tell you something, you little (laughs) dummy, because I got some things to say too. But it was pride. I would only be doing that out of pride. And I can only see that in hindsight now. But that was one of those like moments where I was like, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to saddle up and ride. But I needed to get off the horse. You know what I mean? Do you want to, yes. Do you want to hear something so weird? I would love nothing more. I, I can't wait to share this with you and find out if any of your listeners can relate at all or if this is truly the weirdest thing ever. I believe that the Lord has given me a like a physical thing that happens to me to let me know whether I need to speak or shut up in a situation where conflict arises. Mm-hmm. If I get chills at the back of my head, it means shush your mouth. <laughs> this is this is not don't just don't. Yep. And I recognize this probably five or six years ago. Because it happened, maybe I was just having a real rough year. Oh my gosh, maybe I was just getting fights with everybody. But and I remember feeling this like it was like the third time, and the Lord being like, "Yeah, uh huh, nope, 
That's what you need to pay attention to. And it, every single time, Callie, Mm -hmm. every single time. So when something happens and I feel like I need to say something, if I've not gotten chills on the back of my head, I'm like, I'm I'm allowed to speak. You guys, God is so good Mm -hmm. to like, honestly be like, you are a human and you get confused. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'm going to give you an actual sign so that you yep. know. Let me give Don't you clarity. This up. Yep. It's so good. Well, and especially, and you, you've you talked about this. You talk about it in the She Works His Way book, but the reaction of feelings. So right. we want to trust our feelings so often and like, well, we feel this way, so we need to speak it. It's almost like you and said, they, just because it's your personal truth does not mean it needs to be everyone's truth. But what talk a second about the feelings aspect of like when we have a feeling like we need to do something, how do we differentiate between if we don't have an actual physical response like you were talking uh-huh. about? Uh-huh. How do we differentiate? Like, what does it look like to yeah. um, well, to know? OK, first of all, ask God for a physical response if you want to. I didn't know to ask him, but I, it, that has been a game changer for me. Mm-hmm. But secondly, so I am a highly passionate person. I am a what we call, I've heard called a multi-passionate person, meaning I have 19 different jobs and I'm always ready for the next challenge, right? Yep. So this is kind of just a level that I fly at. I've learned that that means my feelings are very much at the surface, which is okay. I think it it makes me good at relationships. It makes me good at making decisions. It makes me... um excited for my friends and my family and like mm-hmm. little things that they're like, oh my gosh, calm down. And I'm like, no, this is amazing. We should celebrate. Let's go eat tacos, right? So there's a part of that that's really, really good. But then there is the fruit of the spirit that we just don't talk about enough called self-control. And for me, self-control is the key to making sure I am not acting or reacting based on feelings that are just kind of an accessory to me and not necessarily an in-depth part of who I am. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is, emotions and feelings, they are they are good indicators most of the time on something, mm-hmm. for something. Mm-hmm. So it's not that we need to ignore them. We just need to figure out how to react to them or if we let them guide us and how far we let them guide us. Biggest thing for me is I pray for self-control and then whatever the feeling is, if it is a positive feeling, then it usually means green light. If it is a negative feeling, it needs to go through a couple more filters before I let myself like own that and walk in that. Yep. There are some things I just did a real for she she works his way about righteous anger mm-hmm. versus regular anger. My DMs lit up that day because people were like, "Wait, I didn't know there were two different yep. things." And I'm like, "Like God was angry. Uh-huh. People were stupid, and God had to get angry. Like mm-hmm. there's this happens, but we just we have to put it through a filter. And the easiest thing for me is to to think self control first and foremost, mm-hmm. which means I don't physically or verbally react in a way that is over the top yep and own those feelings and then if they're still there it's almost like have you ever been shopping and you find a dress or a pantsuit or a pair of shoes or a couch and you're like oh my gosh it's the most beautiful thing i've ever seen in my life but also i'm not ready to hit by now so i'm going to go home and then if i wake up tomorrow morning and this thing is the first thing on my mind when i wake up i will come back and get it See, I was, to... I was nodding about the finding of the thing. <laughs> that, 
I cannot nod about the not buying it thing. (laughs) See, and I am like, I have floated it by now. I don't know what it is about me. I add to cart all day. That is a hobby. Buy now part of me. I texted Kit yesterday. It was like, can you hit buy now on the Amazon cart? He was like, you're insane. And yes, I will. But like, I think that's how we need to treat our feelings. Yeah. Give it a, give it a minute. Take a beat. If the next morning those feelings are still at the surface and you're still dealing with them, then maybe you step into whatever that is. Maybe you know that those feelings are actually um, an innate part of who you are sure. and not just a surface level reaction. Yep. Yep. Gosh, yes. I'm Now I'm regretting the four pairs of shoes I bought Henley yesterday, but it's fine. She needed them, obviously. I mean, honestly, that was for someone else. So that's generosity. It's underneath a different place. Yeah. So you can't get in trouble. Gosh, I'm such a good mom. You know, you I really just... are. Let's wow. take a second. Hey, that sound effect, that sound effect you've got in there right now. Yeah. Let's just do that because you are Jimmy Fallon. I it's know true. That you are. I'll just have yeah. Ryan come and the kids come up next time I record and I'll just point <laughs> to them when I need clapping. That's you know, I'll just now. <laughs> that'll be fine I it'll it. be great it'll be great no but it's you know I was reading in Nehemiah I've been on a listeners are probably like stop mm. talking about Nehemiah but I just feel like if you have any aspirations or if you are a leader you need to be studying Nehemiah because it is yes. you know I think we reference yes. the I'm doing a great work I can't come down thing a lot which is true and great and we love it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but Nehemiah as a leader from start to finish Mm-hmm. is just fascinating to watch. Yeah. And yeah. in Nehemiah 5, it talks about how some of the Jews that he was leading, they were like, listen, we don't have anything left. We're barely able to eat. We have to sell our kids into slavery to make enough. And we've sold everything we have. And what are we going to do? And it, it says that Nehemiah was immediately angry. But the next sentence says, but he thought about it. It yes. says he was angry on their behalf. But it says after thinking about it, essentially, And then it shows that the plan that he put in action. And you Mm -hmm. see that with every scenario that he comes with. In chapter one, when he sees that the wall has come down Mm -hmm. and and he is distraught, it says he like he is tearing his clothes, that he is, you know, so sorrowful and going into depression about it. But it Mm -hmm. says he prayed about it for months before he did anything. And he just over time and time again. But then he did something and he pushed and he went to other leaders and said, hey, I'm not going to require this of people anymore. I'm not going to make them give me their food. I'm not going to make them give me their children anymore. I'm Mm -hmm. just going to say, live your life because I know that's what God wants for our people. And so I'm asking you to do the same thing. And they did the same thing. So he gained the trust of the people he was leading because he hurt for them and went and fought for them. But he Mm -hmm. gained the trust of the people that he was leading beside because they said, if you're going to do it, I'll do it too. Again, it was that self-control of not, I'm not going to go in there and like beat them over the head until they do it my way. But, you know, I'm going to think about it. I'm going to figure out the best way to do it. And it is that that understanding of how do you know when to push for something and when to continue as is. I think a lot of young leaders are, they do have, you know, like desires and drive and they want, they want to do more. How do you know when to push for it and when to be like, okay, I'm just going to be obedient and faithful. The way I used to always say it, is how do you know when you're just being naive? Like when the next thing is not going to come where you're at? Mm-hmm. And how do you know when you're just being faithful? You know, like mm-hmm. what? Okay, I'm going to answer my question, but I would just first like to take a minute and have a moment for the little mini sermon that you just preached because holy crap, that was good stuff. I love I just love and people are probably tired of saying this too. I love God's word so much because I've read Nehemiah one 
like over my lifetime, the amount of sermons and messages and times I've read it. But it it just it's a whole new scope for me right now when I'm 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 studying with you. I'm so with you. The first time I read Nehemiah outside of a building fund. uh, What do you call it? (laughs) A building campaign. (laughs) We need a new fellowship hall. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. The first time I read it outside of something like that, I was like, oh, my goodness, this just this isn't just a fundraising book of the Bible. Mm-hmm. Holy moly. Mm-hmm. That, I've got I've got like swords and and tools and all the things like one hand is building, one hand is fighting. Yep. Oh, man, it's, I felt that so deeply. So, so good. I just need to say that was beautiful. And thank you for sharing that. You just blessed me. Oh, I love um, that. OK, what, were, what was the question? We How were? do you know when to push? For okay, something, okay. right? And when yep. to just kind of be faithful and let it continue, stay in your rhythms, just keep yeah. chipping away. What, when do you go and when do you stay? Because there was something you said a long time ago. You said, it's not always about pushing the gas pedal. You know, yeah. like that's not always what, what it's about. Yeah. So, yeah. Sometimes the brake pedal is something that God uses in our lives too. Yes. Yes. I have, I have noticed that. So for me personally, I just keep walking through open doors. I don't question an open door. If a door is open, I don't wonder. Guys, I don't I don't want to sound, oh gosh, I got to be careful. You're welcome to edit this out if you want to. I don't even pray necessarily about open doors. I pray about, hey God, I'm going to walk because this opportunity has made itself available and I am begging you to slam it in my face. Mm-hmm. I am begging you to close it, but I will keep walking until you close this door. That's how I know to keep going mm-hmm. until God stops something. I believe there have been so many times where there have been opportunities and open doors where I have learned more walking through and stepping into it, even though I didn't, it wasn't the right place for me. Yep. God has taught me first of all, he's taught me his voice. He's taught me to, that I can hear from him in those moments. So I think that for a lot of us, we get way more confused on, is God saying yes? And a lot of us are able to hear God saying no. Yes. So then go with the yes until God says no. And you're going to get to know his voice. You're going to hear it. You're going to understand it. It's going to become familiar to you. And then you get to just live your life in a confident way, Mm -hmm. knowing that he's going to take you. So that's... That's for me. I, I also think that there was something else I was going to say, and I lost my train of thought. How do you know what to push? How do you know what to, I mean, it's just so on brand for me to forget my train of thought. But also when I when I lose my train of thought, I just assume that that's the Lord. It's like, that wasn't good. And, uh, that was not you don't good. need to say that. Get it out of here. <laughs> you don't need that.